This new summer series is called Dawn of Discipleship. Uh, we've been focusing on the disciples of Jesus uh, over the past few weeks, and we've been looking at what they teach us about the Lord Jesus Christ. So far in the first week, we looked at Peter. In the second week, we looked at Andrew and Philip, and tonight we're taking a closer look at Thomas. I like the name Thomas, uh, so much so that I named my first son Thomas. Uh, while we didn't name him after the Thomas in the Bible, I really like the disciple Thomas as well. And he pops up at some key moments in the Bible. And if church history is correct, Thomas, after the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, took the gospel to India. And prior to my time here at St Andrews, I have been involved in ministry for about four years, teaching pastors in India. So that makes me like Thomas even a bit more. But in this series, we're not necessarily aiming to simply look at disciples that I like, but we're hoping to learn more about Jesus from these first followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And from Thomas, I think we learned two things. First, to question aspects of our faith is okay. And secondly, uh, we're going to see two ways that we can believe in the Lord Jesus. Now, often to question things is looked upon negatively. I mean, uh, some people think that if you question something, then you don't actually believe it. But I want to argue that questioning not only helps you uh, to believe, but also can help you to grow in your belief. Uh, for our children, we encourage them to question uh, things in life, don't we? Now, I know for some parents and aunts and uncles, you'd probably agree with me that young children question things a bit too much. But nevertheless, we're taught to question everything. And after all, that's how we learn. We learn by questioning. And this is at the heart of what a disciple is. A disciple is a learner. In fact, learner is a great definition of what it means to be a disciple. The words could almost be interchangeable. A disciple is someone who learns Jesus. A disciple of Jesus is someone who learns Jesus. Uh, and we're going to try and use this language a bit more over the coming year. So today we're, we're going to learn what we learn about Jesus uh, through the disciple Thomas. So let me pray as we come to look at God's Word. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can come and look at your Word this afternoon. Uh, we recognise that there is a lot going on in the world around us. Help us to zone these things out to listen into what your word has to say. Speak to us by your spirit, we ask, so that we can understand more what it means to be a disciple of yours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first aspect of Thomas that we see is that a disciple believes by seeing. Thomas doesn't uh, simply take things as a given when he's spoken to in the Bible. Uh, the first instance of this is when Jesus speaks in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. You can see the whole uh, passage up there that I'm referring to on the screen behind me. Uh, Jesus is preparing to go away from his disciples. Uh, and in these verses, Jesus is speaking about his own upcoming death and of resurrection and ascension to heaven. And Jesus is letting his disciples know that one day he will come back and take them to be with him. Now, this is a, a great thing for Jesus to be saying. He's trying to encourage his disciples about the events that are just about to take place. And he ends in verse 4 by saying, You know the way to the place where I'm going. Uh, now, many uh, translations have that down as a question, but I think Jesus is making more of a statement here. He's saying to the disciples, you should know this. You've been with me for the past three years. You've been learning from me. I've been teaching you. And now I'm saying to you that I'm going away and you know the place where I'm going. 
Well, most of the disciples, they stay quiet. Why? Well, because they don't know. Uh, They all stay quiet, that is, except for Thomas. He's not going to allow this to just hang. He wants to know what Jesus is talking about. He wants to understand. And so he asked Jesus, how can we know the way? The disciples don't really know where Jesus is going, do they? And so Thomas's question is really important. It can be important to ask questions for clarification. After I left school, I moved to Scotland and did a gap year there in a school in Edinburgh in Scotland. Uh, And it was a really fun time, but I really struggled with the accent. Put up your hand if you struggle with Scottish accent as well. Okay, a few of you understand what I mean. One time we were sitting in the staff room and one of the uh, other teachers came up to me and asked me a question as I was reading the paper. I didn't quite get what she was saying. So I said, can you repeat the question? And so she repeated the question and sure enough, I still didn't understand. Rather than asking for clarification because it was that point of embarrassment, I tried to guess what she said. I thought she said something like, how was your day? So reading, I turned away from the paper and I said, oh, the day's been terrific, thanks, and went back to reading the paper. The question she actually asked was, do you want a drink? <laughs> it's a bit embarrassed. It's much better, isn't it, to ask for clarification, ask that question. But Thomas is not someone who's backward in asking the hard questions. And we see it again in the passage tonight. If you've got there, uh, you can see it uh, there in chapter 20. We see it again when Thomas is in a situation and the disciples seem to know something that he doesn't know. That is, the other disciples had seen Jesus risen from the dead, but Thomas had not. Can you see there in verse 24? Thomas had not been with the other disciples when Jesus appeared before them. We're not sure why, but in one respect, it doesn't actually matter. The other disciples do what they should, and they find Thomas and say to him, look there in verse 25, we have seen the Lord. They say to him, he's risen again from the dead. He's alive. That would have been really hard news for Thomas to hear, wouldn't it? I mean, think about it. Only days before, Jesus was on a cross hanging to die. Thomas had spent three years with him. His friend, the one whom he thought was the Messiah, he was dead. He was laid in a tomb. And now the other disciples are related, saying, he's alive, he's not dead. You can understand why Thomas questions this. And as he does, he questions the truthfulness of what they say. Have a look there in verse 25. Second half, he says to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands... And put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas says, Unless I can touch, unless I can see him, I will not believe what you are saying. Do you have friends like this? I have friends like this. They say to me, Unless Jesus appears before me now, and I can touch him, then I will not believe. Thomas is like this, unless I see, unless I touch, I will not believe. So back into the passage, we see a week later, the doors are locked and the disciples are gathered together and this time, Thomas is with them. And then suddenly, Jesus appears and look what he says in verse 27. He says to Thomas, put your fingers here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Can you 
Imagine what that would have been like for Thomas to see Jesus standing in front of him with Jesus saying, put your hands into the hole. Put your hands into my side. Thomas is so overcome with what he sees. He says, my Lord and my God. This is a massive statement, isn't it? Jesus is, you're not just simply my master. You are God himself standing in front of me. God who became flesh who knows what it's like to be one of us, who knows what it's like to not only experience this life, but the passage through death to the other side as well. Thomas believes, but he believes because he sees. But not all disciples are like Thomas, are they? In fact, most disciples believe without seeing. This is my second point for today. You see, this is all good and well for Thomas, isn't it? And even today I hear of miraculous events where people see the risen Lord Jesus. I was only speaking to someone, a minister this morning who said to me that he knew of a parishioner that said Jesus would come and visit him weekly and sit on his bed and chat with him. Uh, That was the account that he was told. Some people have claimed to see the risen Lord Jesus and so have put their trust in him because of that. And then some of them join this exclusive speaker circuit and become authors of books and start traveling the world to make lots of money. Now, you may think I'm sounding a bit cynical here because I am being, because there's some that I doubt the genuineness of it. I don't, don't get me wrong, I don't doubt that Jesus could possibly appear to people and people can believe in this way. In fact, I know that he can. But is this what we should expect? Well, I want to say No. This is not what we should expect. And again, we learn this from this account of Thomas. But let me address two things. First, although there are some genuine times when people have had an experience with the risen Lord Jesus Christ, this is not the norm. In fact, there is also a danger that it's also the spiritual forces from God. Uh, uh, sorry, it's also not, the, uh, not God working, but some extra spiritual force like the work of the devil trying to take you away from the Lord Jesus Christ, trying to distract you from the truth. Uh, we need to take passages like this. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There can be some who claim this but are not genuine in their faith. How could you tell someone who is genuine? Well, I think it's by their fruit. Is someone looking to make money off their experience and become famous off their experience? Maybe they're not so genuine. It's like healers, isn't it? Someone once said to me, if a person is a legitimate healer, why don't they go and stand at the emergency rooms at the hospitals healing people instead of doing worldwide circuits trying to earn as much money as they can? Surely if you had that real gift, you would go where the real need is. And it's not about yourself. Rather than having travelling shows, those who have claimed to see the risen Lord Jesus should be pointing people back to God's word saying, it is true, I know it's true, but look at God's word because this is how you can come to faith. And there are genuine people like that who are using what they're experienced to point people to God's word and to help people to grow in their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to say praise God for them. Maybe they're the genuine ones. But with this in mind, the second thing that I'd like to say is that we should actually expect that the majority of people come to faith without seeing. And on top of this, I want to argue that Jesus says in this passage, not only is this the norm, but actually coming to faith in this way is a greater thing than seeing. 
Have a look there at what he says in John, verse, uh, John chapter 20, verse 29. He says, Then Jesus told him this, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus is saying to Thomas, It's wonderful that you believe, but you could see, you could touch. But what is better is someone, and he's speaking about those who will come in the future, is someone who will not see, who does not see, and yet believes. Because at the end of the day, this is what faith is. And believing without seeing is not as far-fetched as we might think. Most of, our, uh, of us actually believe in many things that we don't see. Uh, we believe in car manufacturers, that their products are reliable. We believe in aeroplane building, uh, building companies, that they make planes that will stay in the sky. I mean, the concept of flying in an aeroplane really is sort of ridiculous, isn't it? This oversized tin can being hurtled through the sky with highly explosive jet propulsion, it actually requires a lot of faith to go in it, if you think about it. I mean, not many of us have seen these planes being put together or really understand how they work. I'm sure there are some of us who do, but most of us don't. But my point is this. There are many things we believe in that we put our faith in that we have not seen or know how they are put together. And Jesus says to Thomas, because you have seen me, you believe, that's great. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet they believe. Here Jesus is saying someone who has uh, an understanding of that he is the risen Lord Jesus without seeing is a great thing. I often, uh, people often talk to me about these who have these visions and see things and come to faith. And I, I guess we like uh, things that amaze us. Uh, when we hear of someone that's had this sort of experience, we think, oh, wow, that would be fantastic. Imagine meeting the risen Lord Jesus. But I think if what Jesus is saying here is true, is well, that's all good and well, but actually what is even better than that and what we should be rejoicing in more and what we should be even more fascinated with is not someone who's seen and believed, but someone who believes without seeing. Why? Because their faith is genuine. Faith, according to Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 1, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is all about believing even when we do not see. Now, I'm being pretty picky here. It's awesome when anyone believes, isn't it? But what we learn from Thomas is don't be so taken in by these people who have had these amazing stories and amazing experiences over and above someone who does not, yet they still believe. Yes, it's wonderful, but there is a greater wonder, Jesus says. How amazing is it that that person next to me, that ordinary Joe Blow, believed even though he did not see my wounds, even though he did not witness my resurrection, because this is faith in the Lord Jesus. Makes sense, isn't it? If we are one of the disciples, like 1 John chapter 1, we know it's true because we've seen, we've heard with our eyes, we've, we've touched. But for the majority of us, we're not going to touch. We're not going to see. And so if you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we should rejoice in this. We should praise God for it. And in fact, this is what we should expect more of and hope more of in the future. But the immediate question then becomes, well, how does someone who doesn't see, how do they believe? It's a great question, and it's the final aspect of what I want to look at this, this afternoon. 
And this is, again, we glean this from Thomas's account. That is, we learn directly after the account of Thomas about how pe- people can believe, and it all has to do with reading God's word. Why don't you have a look with me at verses 30 to 31. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, and this is it, friends, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You see, John knows that this is the question that people will ask after the account of Thomas. How do people then believe? And so he leads people straight to the answer, and John says... He is writing the accounts. He's writing these words so that people can know who the risen Lord Jesus is. They can know that he's true. They can know that he lived, that he died, that he rose again. And so people can have an understanding of him, put their trust in him, and have eternal life. But it's not just this account, is it? We have three other accounts of the Gospels. In fact, we have all of the scriptures that will help us to understand this. We read about this in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I've heard of people becoming Christians in many different ways. There was a friend of mine at college who traveled all around Europe, and when he traveled around Europe, he looked at the big buildings that Christians have built over the many years, and he thought to himself, you know what? A lot of passion has gone into that. A lot of faith has gone into that. There must be something more to this Christianity. And so he went back and read his Bible and got to know the risen Lord Jesus. Another person went to church all their lives. But at the church they went to, the Bible was never taught. And it wasn't until they went to university and heard the Bible taught clearly and faithfully that they truly understood who Jesus was and they put their trust in him. I heard of someone who decided to go to church because, you know what, He was interested in a girl and he thought, okay, well, she's going there. I'm going to go there. Went along to the church and actually started hearing God's word being taught well and clearly. And he put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ too. Finally, a few years ago, a Hindu man came to the church that I was at because his wife did. And he said to me, look, I'm going to sit out in the back in the cry room because I'm a Hindu and I don't believe this, but my wife's a Christian. She's going to come and listen, but I want to support her. And after six months, he came to me and said, I want to be baptized. I said, you want to be baptized? Why do you want to be baptized? And he said, because as I've heard God's words preached here, I understand that only Jesus will take away my sin. That Hinduism never will. I'm sure that there are many, many more stories out there that you and I could tell. But what is common? People coming to God's word, hearing God's word being taught, and coming to faith. And friends, I want to say of all the miracles that there are out there, this is the greatest miracle of all. This is the greatest miracle of all. And you see, we learn from Thomas that it's great to see and believe. But even greater and blessed are those who do not see, yet believe. Well, friends, let me conclude. As we think more about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we need to learn from Thomas, don't we? It was great that Thomas was able to witness what he did, He saw the risen Lord Jesus. He was able to go and tell people even as far away, hopefully, as India. How cool is that? But for us, it's unlikely that it will happen this way. Rather, John has written down these words, and we have the words of the Scriptures to teach us in order that we can believe. And Jesus says, blessed are you, blessed are all of you here who have read God's word and understood it and you have believed. So friends, let me urge you, if you have believed without seeing, praise the Lord. 
this is the experience of most of us. Continue to learn from God's word. Continue to grow in your understanding of God's word. And continue to bring people as you have been brought to God's word so they too can have faith as well. If you have had some sort of experience here in coming to know the Lord Jesus, I want to say, praise the Lord as well. That's great too. But what this should lead you to is coming back to God's word so that you can bring people to God's word because that's the norm, how people are going to come to faith. But friends, let me also say, if you do not yet believe and you are here tonight, let me continue to encourage you to come to church. Continue to come to church. Continue to hear God's word and over time our prayer will be, that you too will believe. Let me say, it is wonderful that you are here. Friends, as we go forward this year, as we look to make disciples of Jesus Christ, as we look to bring people to God's word so that they too may learn what it says, they too may hear the name of Jesus, our prayer is that they too will believe and be safe for all eternity. Well, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for the wonderful witness of Thomas. We thank you so much for the faith that you gave him. Yet we also recognize, Heavenly Father, that you have worked so powerfully through your word down the ages and you have helped us to come to faith in you as well. We pray that you might use us for your praise and glory to lead others to your word so that they too can hear and they can believe. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Mal. Uh, It's not too late to text in your questions if you have one for Mal, or if you want it, you can actually talk to him straight after service as well. Could you please elaborate on the difference between the doubt that Jesus says not to have and questioning to grow in our faith? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think uh, the doubt is the doubt over his resurrection. Uh, And if I just get the passage open to me uh, there... So he's saying, stop doubting that the resurrection is real, uh, but to question things about our faith and to look for answers even over the resurrection is okay, but Jesus wants us not to doubt that he rose again from the dead. Now, I'll just get the passage open. So, that, so he says, stop doubting and believe. And so he says that specifically to Thomas because Thomas is standing in the room with him. And so he says, you can see. So he says to Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Okay, but that doesn't mean it's not wrong to ask questions of the faith and things like that. And I don't think he's speaking specifically to those who uh, he's talking about in the future who uh, will not see, uh, and so, uh, uh, but yet they believe. Uh, I think he's speaking to Thomas specifically where he says, stop doubting.